Hello, welcome back to the Self Podcast. And I'm pleased tonight to get the usual man in the studio. Zachary, you're back, son. It's good to be back. I want to apologize to listeners for my absence last week. It was unforgivable, but such is life. Um, I can't remember what happened. I think it was sick. I think that was the reason. It was pretty badly sick. The, the cold's going around, like cold and flu. It's going around. Stay the rounds. Hasn't been around in a while. No, but, um, you use up your sick days. We've got seven sick days on the contract, so Eve's one yeah, of those up. Okay. Well, <laughs> very generous, by play. Very generous, you know. <laughs> good, like, it's good. I, uh, it's, it's nice to have the trio back. It's nice to have the trio back. It's been a while since us three have been on. Maybe the Lions tour is the last one we've had all three of us, so good yeah. to have you back as well, Harv. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back. Obviously, mentioned previously, it's second podcast in a row, so something must be going on. But I uh, back, Awesome Internationals, plenty of good games. We might as well just crack into them, eh? Yeah, crack on in. Crack on in. This may not be the second intro we've had to do, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Show them behind the curtain. Show them behind the curtain. Bye. Well, we've, got the, we've got the England donga, I guess. Um, I might as well just start again. Sorry, Tough, I'm taking over your role. I apologise. You, you, you can host if you want, Zach. It's, it's tough skills, so seem, you seem to <laughs> smash it there. But, uh... Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, in terms of England Tonga, we were chatting there before we had to re-record. George Furbank, um, we were saying that all this chat was about Marcus Smith or Farrell and end up being Furbank at 10. And yeah, we, if you don't train on the Tuesday, you don't start, Zach, and you you love that motto. And Eddie looks like he's continuing that. Yeah, he definitely is. <clears throat> the whole situation, I just think, is... Is interested. I think that I think there could be an element of that. You know, like you don't train on the Tuesday, you don't play. But I think there's something else. It's almost like a Coach Carter type, kind of like psychological mind games going on. Like Marcus Smith, like you see it, like him coming out telling Marcus Smith, you know, not to be a Radicano and all this, which is extremely harsh. We'll probably get on to that. But like not only that, but like he's saying, actually, I'm going to start at 15. Who Barry has played 10 ever never like professionally but i'm gonna play him at 10 just to like make you want it even more it kind of like has that kind of like coach carter vibe like he's making marcus want it um that's kind of why i get you know kind of like psychological warfare which would be a very very eddie jones type thing to do you see in other sports um films you know miracle classic disney it's on disney plus would recommend um <clears throat> i can see that coming from from your side as well as I can see that with someone like Marcus Smith, because we can all, we probably struggle to argue with the fact that we all think he'll go right to the top. So, but it's a making sure that his mind, you know, state keeps up with his on pitch ability, basically. So if his, if his way is stick him kind of on the straight and narrow and hope that, you know, in whatever way possible that he can influence Marcus Smith, then that's probably what he'll do, won't he? Yeah, it makes sense. You know, the Radicani comments, like he clearly thinks that Marcus Smith has the potential to kind of get whatever he wants, you know, kind of might be thinking, oh, we don't want to turn him into like a David Beckham type player. So he's just going to keep him humble, keep him honest. So I'm just going to start George Furbank ahead of you and then nothing you can do about it. Um, yeah, he's the poster boy. He's going to be the poster boy of England rugby for the next 10 years. And Eddie is really making him work for it. But Smith's a grinder and he will be the poster boy. It's been like Dan Carter. I remember in the Dan Carter documentary, he was saying about when he became poster boy, he struggled with at the start. He went and did a, a jockey's advert where he got, got the jockey boxers on and did a few of those and got a bit of jip for it. And he, he struggled at the start. He said, being the poster boy, he just wanted to play ball. Um, but it's the type of thing. Like, you can't... Eddie saying stuff like that about Radigan and all. Like, 
Smith can't help it if the if the Puma deal, the Adidas deal, whatever big deals are coming his way, the sponsorship stuff like it's tough to it's tough to turn down. But um, if there's any man to kind of manage you through that and just focus on your rugby, it's Eddie Jones. So I kind of do respect it at the same time. But we are sorry to any, any Emirati County fans out there. Um, I don't know if you know Eddie Jones, but he does come out with a very audacious comments, which he doesn't really believe in a lot of the time. So don't feel too hard done by Radcan. He's a cracking tennis player. Yeah, we watched the final. We watched the US Open final together. We actually did. Yeah, we did. Time, you know, it was it was class. But I suppose just last thing on that, I suppose Marcus, well, Eddie Jones's argument is if you're here for a long time and not a short time, you shouldn't have to worry about grabbing every deal that comes away. You'll get plenty. You'd be the poster boy of, you know, any athletic brand that wants to get into rugby so don't worry about it now focus on your rugby create a legacy and be world class not just in good form and then you'll get everything and it'll come to you and you could probably pick like that's the thing yeah and however in terms of players that stood out in the Tonga game you obviously had Mark Smith coming off the bench good impact thought Dom Ramp was pretty good off the bench could have probably scored but he was a bit generous trying to pop it on the Gange Gange himself was very good I really feel when you look at that side now, looking forward to the Australia game this weekend, there won't be many changes. Um, obviously, Slade got mal the match as well, needed a big performance in there. It's just if Farrell comes through all his testing and all, do you slot him straight back in? Or is it maybe time for Smith? If uh, Well, we, we, t- we touched on the whole don't train on Tuesday, don't play thing. I think if there's anyone that's an exception to the rule, it's probably Owen Farrell. Um, he seems to be an exception to a lot of rules, but yeah, I think it's a tough one. Obviously you got it. You got a question on your hands there, haven't you? I personally, for me, I'd back Mark Smith, but with the track record, a Jones has, you just never know, do you? Um, and I, I also think he has a great impact as a sub 10, whereas I don't think maybe Owen Farrell would have as big of an option. And I feel like if he's fit, he's involved. You're not just going to let him, you're not just going to not involve him. So it might even be a case of for the, you know, the classic bring back the finishers vibe of, you know, as as a squad, as a 23-man squad, maybe you're more, you're better off playing foul to start with and then bringing Smith on, maybe something like that. Or maybe the dream 10-12 that we've been thinking of this whole time. Or can Furbank continue to throw a spanner in the works? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't stand out against Tonga and everyone else does. No, he was solid. He was solid. He had a good game. Yeah, but look what Mark Smith did when he came on. Yeah. Like I know Tongo probably tired at this point and a bit dejected being like 40 points down when he did come on. But, you know, the guy was just goose-stepping like it's for fun. Yeah, like I think as well, there's an element where I think Australia haven't won against England in five years, I think, or something is the stat. So there's that kind of added pressure now where it's more than just the like autumn international. There's a bit more on the line because Australia are really going to come out. Eddie Jones as an Australian himself, is obviously going to be very um, wanting to kind of protect his record against his own country. So there's that probably element where we'll probably play a bit more safe, almost like it was like a quarterfinal, semifinal of a um, Rugby World Cup. Maybe not semifinal, but you know, like quarterfinal kind of vibe. A lot of pressure, a lot of tension. He'll probably slot in Farrell at 10, to be honest, if he plays. Um, kind of bring Marcus Smith off the bench, just because it's that Australian factor. Uh, which kind of makes him want to kind of go more tried and tested rather than trying things out. You might do it next week. Um, is, is kind of my is my is my thoughts anyway. Um, so, but who knows, Steve Rennie? You know, you never know. Yeah, no, 
Australia will need to bounce back. Obviously, losing losing to Scotland, uh, that was their actually third consecutive loss to Scotland. So, in terms of Australia, like they can't seem to perform and they come up north. Like in terms of their Northern Hemisphere record recently, has not been good. And I know um, Australia were getting a bit of hype there, beating South Africa back to back, but they need a big performance against England, and it will come. They will. In terms of response, far of the worst thing that could happen was that for them to lose in Murrayfield. They'll they'll want to come respond. They'll want the test on like your wild runs and your uh, Freddie Stewart's who haven't played a proper test match yet. They've only been playing teams that they can put cricket scores on. So they'll be bombing. They'll be getting boys after them. The likes of your Corbettis and stuff, your proper test match animals as you call them. They'll be um, looking to get involved. So you're gonna need as much experience as you can get there. Um, but boys, in terms of predictions, where are we going with this one? I don't know. I feel like Australia are going to be really up for it. I feel like this is an opportunity to get their kind of World Cup plans back on track. I think if they lose again, there's serious issues. Um, you know, something like Dave Rennie will have a lot of lot of problems. He'll kind of you need that momentum. Um, but I think like it's a great opportunity for England as well. You know, this is really going to see, okay, where is this side actually at? The kind of rebirth of Eddie Jones, how's it actually doing? You know, like, fair enough, you can put money on, you can put points on Tonga, but, like, anyone's going to put points on Tonga. Um, it's whether or not you can do it against a tri-nation side. Um, at the same time, after all that waffle, probably going to go England win. But I think Eddie Jones starts a more conservative team that'll get him the win. They'll not play maybe as expensive rugby, but... One file do the job. My my mantra from like we spoke about it last week as well is I don't really see the point in this whole like pack your stats and try and get as many wins as possible. I see more value in him playing a team similar to the one he played against Tonga and going out there and actually testing them rather than just thinking, right, we need the win, stick the old boys back out there and let's just hope we can get one. Like I, I see much more value. Like uh, for me, the things that you aim to win are the things like six your six nations and your world cups. Effectively, everything else is a test. And this to me is Another one, a big one, obviously, in terms of actually matching abilities. So I think you stick these boys out, you stick Rabban out there again, and you see if the M product can just click a little bit better than it did against Tonga because he's running around boys for fun. I think you stick out some of the other younger guys, potentially give Smith even more minutes. I'd really like to see how Freddie Stewart deals with, like you said, self the test legends and stuff. Um, and for me, that brings more value in than just sticking out the old boys and the guys who are experienced. And yeah. then let's see what happens. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you, Harp. I'm just thinking more like, I would want to see that, but I just think Eddie Jones will be a bit more conservative and maybe use this game as like another stepping stone mm. for South Africa. And kind of like, but I don't know. I, don't I think they're going to go we out there. With... Last week, uh, we were chatting last week, Zach. We were saying that the Australia game is the biggest game in the autumn for Eddie, not South Africa. Yeah, I think so. I think so. This is going to really see where he's at, where his squad's at. Um, he's Australian at the end of the day. Exactly. So he's going to, like, I think for him, it's about getting the win in whatever shape or form. form. And I think the South Africa game will almost be more of a, let's see where um, his England team's at. So I suppose it just kind of contradicted what I said about two minutes ago. But change your mind on the floor. I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win 27 10. I think it's going to be a very convincing win. I think we're going to be a very solid side. I think uh, we're going to put them away. I think it'll be tight. It'll be very 3-6, 4-1, 4-2, 4-3, 4-1, 4-2, 4-3, 4-1, 4-2, 4-3, 4-1, 4-2, 4-1, 4-2, 4-1, 4-2, 4-1, 
nine six one of those games a bit like how the scotland game was and then you're just gonna have a bit of magic you're gonna have someone to score a try like big big ashman ashman did in the corner well the unbelievable finish that was for a hooker if you haven't watched it go on youtube watch those highlights a proper johnny may finished by a sub scottish hooker fair play ashman but um yeah i'm gonna go england win 18 12 like one of those games very tight and then maybe like two lying Bit of magic from him, puts Lane under the sticks, something like something like that vibe, if you know what I mean. Around the 60, 70th minute, but it'll take a while to to burst that dam. Is that right? Oh, I haven't given this. I apologize. I apologize. Uh I'm gonna go maybe 30 30-25 to England. I think it'll be a high enough scoring game. A bit more free flowing rugby, hopefully, for the Twickers fans. Um, I think my match will. I think Andrew Slater have a good game if he starts. Yeah, nail down that 13 jersey. He's got a real yeah, chance of something to nail it down. International is huge for Slater, to, especially after Exeter being so rugby over the past couple of weeks. An opportunity for him to really stack the claim on the 13 shirt and let Eddie worry about 10, 12 partnerships. Um, but we'll see. We shall see. Quarter past five on Saturday. And shout out to Manny Tuolang if I was outstanding against Tonga. I know he always always will be, but um, yeah, he's he's really said, remember me. And if Slade's playing well, that does mean it's straight showing between Farrell and Smith. But we'll let that debate go on every single week. We'll be talking about that until the World Cup, hopefully. And that's what you want. That's what you want a squad. You want back and forth battles like that. And in terms of that, we'll move on now to Ireland. The Ireland-New Zealand preview, probably the title of the pod, if I'm being honest. Yep. Uh, Ireland 2 Hammer all black, something along those lines. But uh, being serious, um, that was the best Ireland performance I have seen uh, on Saturday against a Japan team who beat us in 2019, who gave us problems since as well. That is the best Irish performance I've seen since Ireland actually beat the All Blacks, in my opinion. That a lot of people, Harvey yourself, Zach, we were having the debate our Japan uh, tier one side, and we all kind of agreed they were. And to put 60 points on a tier one side. Maybe I'm getting too excited, but um, in terms of prep for New Zealand, absolutely perfect for Andy Farley. Putting is tried and tested. Some people call it boring. Some people call it tried and tested, and they delivered. Yeah. I mean, we were discussing it today um, at coffee, like, but it's just, it's just going to be, you just never know with Ireland these days. You just don't know. Like, they could come out and beat New Zealand or they could come out and get absolutely thumped. And I feel like it's going to be one or the other. It'll not be a close game. It'll just be like if they win or they get thumped, you know. Um, it's just so, my thing is just, it's again, it's it's just, is this kind of like short-term planning or is this realistic long-term kind of like development? That's my thing. I've been harping on about it for years. It actually probably has been years. Um, you know, we're talking about England kind of like building a really young kind of mix of young and old in a squad which should and will challenge in 2023 and it's just like this Ireland squad I'm still not convinced that they are gonna if they're on the right track and if they are like I'm, I'm happy to be proved wrong I'm always happy to be proved wrong but it's just kind of like how much is this just short term kind of like playing your tried and tested yeah but Andy Farrell will say to you Zach Zach I've put 60 points on Japan, what else do you want me to do, Zachary? And you'll say, that's, that's, totally, that is totally, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. It's just kind of like, 
it's just I don't know. I'm just I, I think maybe it's just maybe I'm just a wee bit disillusioned with Ireland. We were chatting about it today. Like I don't know if it's just maybe a wee bit disillusioned with provincial rugby, not really following Ulster at the moment. It's kind of focusing just more on Premiership because you can it's a good standard. And then kind of just as a byproduct, like no Ulster really, no Ulster players in that sort of Ireland team. It's just all it's basically Leinster in it. Um, so it's just kind of like we bit disillusions, you know, tickets are going for like a hundred odd quid. I was chatting to a friend today. We paid £103 for a ticket for the weekend. I'm just like, that's mad. Uh, but at the same time, we were saying, didn't even cross my mind to even look for a ticket. Yeah. So, well, in terms of... Deep, like, deep. I know it's deep. <laughs> in terms of actual stats, like, um, in the team that started, 12 people, well, basically, everyone that came, everyone that played, started against Japan, had either come through the Leinster system or was from New Zealand. So, it's a mad stat to think, like, even the boys that are at Monster, like, if you're Andre Conway's and you're Tyke Byrne, like, they, they were through the Leinster Academy and they played for Leinster before they, before they had to move on. So, Irish rugby is in a weird place where it is turning into Leinster plus um, your project players. But uh, I do, in terms of a positive light, Zach, Hendo will come into the starting team because he was outstanding off the bench. Hendo was a lion. He was... And there was a lion, remember. Um you had a you had a pretty you had a pretty big claim this morning to do with Hendo and James Ryan. Yeah, well Hendo is I'm not saying James Ryan won't be the player Hendo is, but right now Henderson is well and truly above James Ryan. Hendo is a double lion. James Ryan hasn't been on a lion's tour. But Ireland love the story of James Ryan and the where he's from, and he has, and I know he hit heights that Hendo had never hit, but right now he's struggling a bit like Farrell and stuff, the, the conversation we had over the last 12 months, just to reach that level that he was once at. But uh, if James Ryan can, there's no doubt that James Ryan should start, but uh, played very well against Japan, but he needs he needs a big game. And I, he will, he'll partner Hendo, in my opinion. He'll partner Hendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like I like to hope Endo plays. Um, I think he brings a real physicality, which is really important. Uh, I was just seeing there, Eddie O'Sullivan is saying Ireland can beat the All Blacks. So there you go, ex-coach. Eddie does like his kind of audacious claims, but he also makes the comment that Jameson Gibson-Bark should start over Murray. What do you think? Do you think Murray gets stuck on the bench? I think... I think- Gibson Park's been this. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like he's the project man, and he's it's a funny one because obviously of the age he's at and kind of that path in his career he's taken. But yeah, he's he, they invested so much time. They're obviously going to give him a go, and they see something in him. And I think he's a good player. I think Connor Murray's one of those players who's maybe been a kind of a victim of his own standards in the sense that he was so good when Ireland were in that kind of mini generation a few years ago. Um, and because he's not really hit those heights, but he's still been a very good nine. It's just kind of, I think people are very critical of him. I've always said that I think Conor Murray's a cracking nine, um, but maybe he just doesn't offer as much unpredictability as you see in some top class nines these days. And maybe they see that in Gibson Park. So maybe that's why they choose him. I don't know. That's yeah. my yeah. two I think cents James on it. James Ryan and Murray in that same category that they were at a level where they were getting into world 15s. Like World 15s yeah. in 2018, 19, they were getting into, and now people look at them, myself included, and it's frustrating. And it, they are, it's their own fault 
because they obviously were at that high level, it's like you're just you're only as good as your last performance or your best performance. So I reckon it was like Murray in terms of closing out a game, um could be could be better. Could be a better option. Unless it is like the Lions tour where you start Ali Price and you bring Murray off the bench, I can get that. Also, like there's also that just added element where Gibson Park playing against his home country, and he wants to put them away. He wants to show them that why the reason why they should have picked him in the first place when he was kind of going through. So I can kind of understand and to stick with him. So I can I can understand starting him just from that he'll be fired up. He's going to give his all, which sometimes in these games you know you're you're, you're going off that you're going off off a player's mentality, not just maybe their form they're in or whatever, because the kind of the mentality will bring the form along. Um, but my only thing is, you know, Ireland were dominant up front, very dominant in front of Japan, against Japan, very dominant in the breakdown. Like he had, he had the ball on a silver platter. That's why he was told and said the whole game, Gibson Park, you know, so it's easy to perform well. It's easy to hit your passes. It's easy to have quick ball when the forwards are doing all the hard work and they're dominating the, um, quite frankly, was a per Japan defense. It's just my thing is you're just not going to get that against the, the All Blacks. It's going to be tough. It's going to be physical. You're going to have to fight for every scrap at the breakdown. Just to even have half a clean ball, you know, like half kind of half in a silver platter, kind of like a silver platter with a bit of dirt on it. Like it's going to be a hard grind to even get that for a constant eighty minutes. And it's just my thing of maybe just Murray having that more experience in those sort of moments against these sort of sides will maybe kind of offer more in that sense going forward. But Yeah, it's high risk. It's high risk, high reward, having Murray in the bench. Exactly. Either. He's the best man to bring on to close out a game, but at the same time, you could bring him on and it's too late. And he's not an impact player off the bench where he, yeah. what Gibson Park is. So Andy's got a real question to him. But someone that I do want to talk about that um, was unbelievable against Japan, has been unbelievable really since he's, given that Irish 15 jersey is Hugo Keenan. Mm. Uh, is Hugo Keenan one game away now from knocking himself down for a decade at 15? Like does he just need one huge game in a in a in a game? I know we play well against England, which was kind of his first kind of big performance against the top top side. But if he need if they uh, Ireland win Hugo Keenan gets a man of match performance is diffusing Bowden's bombs all day long. Is it is that is that question done? Have we, have yeah. we found our fifteen from Rob Carney? I think so. He's been he's been phenomenal. You, you got to remember as well. He, he came up he came up through as a winger. He didn't. He kind of has to transition into that fifteen role, and he's made it his own. Simon Zebo, funny enough, leaving that kind of um, vacuum. Who himself is back on our soil and can't get can't get in. So they clearly like him. They clearly back him. Um, and his form and performances kind of speak for themselves. So I think you're right. Like, there's a real opportunity for him to kind of set himself, nail on the 15 jersey for the next, well, at least until the World Cup anyway. I think with Hugo Keane as well, it's, don't get me wrong, I think what you say about the statement, I think he's just starting 15 for a long time now anyway, regardless of how he performs on on the weekend. But I think it's a nice affirmation and it's a it's nice thing to know if you can go out there and perform against arguably the best side in the world. You know, like you said, he's had cracking performances and top games against the likes of England, but to do it consistently and to do it over the course of a you know long span of time is, I think, just a real confirmation that you've got a genuine world-class 15 which I think everyone, everyone desires. It's kind of that pinnacle, isn't it? You know, you talk about the spine and that's 
a key part of it, obviously, defensively and offensively. Um, I think he proves that. It's just keeping... I think it's all about the bottle, isn't it? It's all about your mental side. When you're 15, you, you know yourself, Telf. Um, and I think for him, it's just making sure that that is, that is rock hard. So... Which I think I think oh, one thing I the other thing I just wanted to say was I think this is the case for pretty much the whole entire island side. I've already said before on the last pod that I think this is a bit of a hail mary for Maddie Farrell to just try and get what Ireland past the quarterfinals in the World Cup next year, um, or the year after that, whenever it is. And I think he's going to stick with this side and just ride them out, and then whatever happens after that is a bridge that they'll cross when it comes to it. But um, that's why this game is so important because like you said it's very easy to get carried away with a game when you put 60 on a team like Japan because it's so hard to measure yourself up against someone like that who you very rarely play but then you know it, this could be a reality check in two ways it could be a reality check in terms of you put a cracking performance in and maybe get a win or at least put yourselves really proud and maybe miss out by one score or something and you go right this island side mean business or you could get battered and then suddenly it's like right back to the drawing board oh wait there kind of is no drawing board this is the squad so it's like <laughs> this. This game is a massive, is a big. massive pinnacle in terms of you don't know which way it could go. I think we we could be sat here next week thinking Ireland are genuinely there as World Cup contenders, or we could be sat here thinking and just ranting for fifty minutes talking about how crap Ireland are. Like it, you don't know. So this is we help. We discussed this earlier. We said, I'm pretty sure we said that a a, a win could be the worst thing for Ireland. I said you're repeating Schmidt. You literally are. We're going to be golden generation two years before World Cup, and then you're going to have a crack in Six Nations, slam it, and then you're going to bottle the next Six Nations. Then you'll be terrible in the World Cup. <laughs> so we we, we discussed that is, is 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 a loss the best thing or win the worst possible thing that could happen? But we did we did the point being that there, it's very different. Like if we're going to say the you know Joe Smith side going into the game against the All Blacks, which they beat them in Dublin for the first time. For the first time ever, it's very different. The current point of the cycle, the squad cycle, is very different. You know, Joe Smith's side was tried and tested. Um, it come off the back of winning a Grand Slam. It would come off the back of beating Australia um, down under, winning that series. They were a team that were peaking and then peaked against the All Blacks and then fell from grace heavily. <laughs> Lest we forget. Um, <laughs> but we look at then you look at this Ireland squad and they kind of they are on an upward trajectory. You know you can't we can't, obviously like as pessimistic Ireland fan as I am, like you got to admit the fact that beating Japan sixty nil is, is or whatever was 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 class. But it is it they're at a different point, so it's less of a they're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna peak if they do beat the All Blacks. But here's the question, yeah. Zach, and obviously in terms of headlines, in terms of. The whole topic kind of revolves around Johnny Sexton in terms of yes. you, you've got Murray uh, Sexton, people like that, and you're trying just to push through these next two years and no. let them finish as World Cup winners. If you look around now, they've tried Ross Byrne, they've tried Billy Burns, they've tried Joey Carberry, who's now back, from, but he hasn't been himself since, and it'll take Joey a while for him. Chamberlain, you know what I mean? Like, he's just not, he's like one injury away again. Every time he gets a big hit, you're just like, oh. So my point is, why not put all the eggs in the bomb basket? You know what? Weaver, play Sexton until the World Cup and he's going to drag us to the semi-final or he gets injured and we go out in the grip stage. But if we go halfway house and Sexton off the bench and they try Young Ten and Harry Byrne, 
we might not get anywhere. So Farrell clearly has decided Johnny's going to do a Tom Brady. Johnny's going to go into 40 and he's going to drag this team. And if there's anyone to do it, Johnny Sexton was unbelievable against Japan. Johnny Sexton, every time he's pulled on an Ireland jersey, has been unbelievable. Yes, he hasn't had as many games for Leinster as he would have liked recently, but he finds a way to peak. And he himself said that he made a mistake. Last year, he didn't play enough rugby because he was targeting the Lions tour. So he's basically like managing his schedule so he could go on that Lions tour and he didn't get picked. So he said, no, this year, he's just focused on game by game and trying to play as much as he can. And I do 101 caps. Johnny Sexton, if he puts in a man of the match performance against the All Blacks, Ireland media is going to blow up because why can't he just be a fine wine? Why why can't we not? Why do we have to look at his agent rather than his performances and just say, Sexton, on you go, lad. Gets the World Cup final. I've been thinking about this, you know, since chatting about it. Um, I'm prepared now. You're right. Andy Farrell's put his eggs in one basket. It's, it's a risk. It's a huge risk. He's gone all in on banking on getting, you know, three of a kind, but there's potential for Phil House, you know, like it's, it's, he's, it's, he's, he's going for it, you know, and you got to, at this point, as an Ireland fan, as maybe slightly disillusioned as I am, you got to bag him. You just got to bag him. Say, right, you're clearly bagging Johnny Sexton here. So, you know what? So be it. We're going to bag you too. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's kind of what I came to the conclusion of this afternoon. Just got to bag him. Johnny Sexton, he's a fine wine. He's a Tom Brady. Just going to declare it. And you just got our fingers crossed that um, he stays fit because he's a, you know, absolute one of the world's best hands. I think that the danger for Andy Farrell, which probably is slightly different to what you guys are saying, is not actually about the players themselves. It's about the system. I think what the issue is sometimes is. It kind of is players. It, what the issue sometimes is when you stick with the squad for so long, obviously you get used to a system with them. And the issue is in the standard, the professional, especially international rugby is at right now, every country will have you sussed if you play the way you're playing right now all the way up to the World Cup. It doesn't work like that. Eddie Jones spoke about it openly. And so have other top manager coaches saying, you know, rugby goes through cycles and you have to adapt to the cycle. And I think what the issue was potentially with Joe Schmidt was you had a tried and tested squad that was top, top quality, but the system was so predictable. And yes, it worked for two years, but unfortunately the timing wasn't right and it didn't end up, you know, peaking at the right time. Andy Farrell needs to make sure that doesn't happen because he can stick with this squad as much as he wants. And I think ultimately although Johnny Sexton might be as at the age he is, you are right, Tuff, he's a fine wine. And the style of play he has suits his age in a way. Like, he, you know, the maturing and the vision and everything else that comes with age and experience just kind of suits him. So, you know, he's not a, he's not an Andy, he's not an Owen Farrell, he's not a defensive 10. Like, he's, he's never going to do that. So it doesn't matter, really. The guy can be 50. As long as he can throw a ball and kick a ball, who cares? So, like, and that's Don't the really. important thing. <laughs> and, and there's plenty of other players in that squad that are exactly the same as that. It's just making sure that the system and the tactics stay up to date. They stay adapted. They stay, and you have multiple systems. Because ultimately you think, right, you've got two, three play- years with these players, you know, not even talking about the years, they, you know, the year or so he's already had. You could build so many systems, so many plays, so many tactics with these guys, and you could just train them and teach them almost. And it's important that he does that. Because I think that's where the risk comes into it. And I think if you can do that, Ireland are a very, very dangerous prospect. Very dangerous prospect. I think you're right, Harv. My thing is he needs to communicate that to Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen. Because um, yeah. 
basically starting Leinster anyway. So I've been doing that at Leinster the whole year. <laughs> I mean, he's he's kind of getting his money worth. I right, just just let Hendo catch up when he comes in. <laughs> yeah, 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 Hendo would like you know give him a special assignment. He can study some video with Leinster training or something. You know, you'll end up seeing him in the stands, just missing all the games, watching Leinster, trying to get ready for Ireland. Honestly, though, like there's this genuine element where it's just like you know he might as well just take the Leinster training sessions at this rate, just like. It's all about building culture, philosophy, building a system, and it takes years, it takes time, like you're saying, hard and developing tactical kind of fluidity, fluidity. Um, being able to adapt and change. And there's no, you know, if you're using 12 Leinster players, you might as well just tell Stuart Lancaster this is how we're doing it. But that's a bit naive and a bit. Character. No, but in terms of Andy Farrell's game plan as well, he is playing a lot more rugby than Smith ever played. He's True. playing a lot of heads up rugby. I remember a stage where I can I I was watching it on my phone and um I went I went up to grab my laptop and I couldn't I, I couldn't take my eyes off my phone because things just kept happening. When I went up the stairs, when I went down the stairs, there was like two tries and I like nearly missed them just because I couldn't take my eyes off the game because he's playing so exciting, so expansive and as you said, Arv, we'll see what he does against the All Blacks. If he plays ball and beats them All Blacks with ball, then we're starting to see the game plan he's implementing. Because I know, Zach, you were very uh, annoyed during the Six Nations that you didn't know the style he's playing, but maybe he's holding back his style. But yeah. I'm starting to see it come through now. But that's only one game. That's only one game in Japan. We need to see more of it. And if and he if beats you, and that's seven out of seven. Yeah, you're right. And if and if he is playing heads up rugby, then what essentially he's doing is it's you know beating New Zealand at their own game. When was the last time you saw a squad kind of take on New Zealand and say, you know, we're just gonna match you and not just match you and beat you? Um so predictions we'll, like predictions gonna be at Kiwi's brew bar on Saturday. It's gonna be good, correct? Uh look, you got a back, boys in green, always. Um, I'm hoping to come back next week on the pod with a lot of positives um, and even a win you know, going to say 30-20 to Ireland um, Johnny Sexton will have the game of his life and Ian Henderson will just do his thing but who knows, you know, you're banking on the fact that I think New Zealand, we haven't really chat about New Zealand at all, you know, they put out a second string side against Italy they did not play well against Italy. They relied on four tries in the last 20 minutes to to pull away and kind of get a decent cricket score, which they're used to. So there's an element there where they're going to be fired up and wanting to put in a big performance. But obviously their, their cup final is against France next week. Um, but yeah, you're hoping that, to be honest, when you play New Zealand, you're just hoping they have an off day. You can't you can't rely on them. You know, you I think as well the fact that they're, they're playing France next week and I think that's their most important game this this autumn and they've they're playing France in the first game of 2023 so they're going to be targeting that game more than the Aviva which is going to play into Ireland's hands and I'm going to flip it on its head I'm going to say Joey Carberry off the bench might do something special and he might then say remember me and we're on the pod next week having a full we've got Joey vibe chat but maybe that's maybe that's too too far but yeah Zach, i agree um i'm, I'm just gonna go i'm gonna go with heart rather than head i'm gonna go ireland ireland win by six points 26 20 i think 
I yeah. I think I'm gonna kind of kind of stick with what I said in the sense that I think Ireland are gonna put in a really good performance, but I think around the 60th minute or so it's just gonna catch up with them. Um I think you'll see the signs and I think they could even take the lead and hold the lead for a little bit. Um, but I think what you'll see is potentially New Zealand just pull away with it slightly at the end, just because I can't see you guys matching them for energy and everything else they do. So I'm going to go 27-17 win to New Zealand. Um, I think it'll be very tight, very cagey. I think potentially Ireland will be like 17-13 up potentially, and then it'll just like two rapid tries and you'll just be shell-shocked. I think something like that could happen. That's just what does that remind you of? That just reminds me of what 2014, 2013. You got on your knees and prayed. <laughs> I was on my knees at Dave Eva, like that was our including conversion. But New Zealand don't like us, that's for sure. And we beat New Zealand, yep. beat New Zealand in the last um, the last five years more times than they've beaten us. So, right. um, Jody Barrett. They'll, they'll be scared. Uh, then in terms of the final big game, I know France and France have got Georgia this week, so it's kind of not at that level of kind of deserving big preview time. But uh, what is a big game is Scotland, South Africa. And boys, Zach, we were saying earlier, if Scotland beats South Africa, genuinely, they could go into the Six Nations as favourites. That was, was going to be my question, Tease. If Scotland beats South Africa, are they favourites? Um, it's going to be a completely different test against Wales or against um, like it was against Australia. You have South Africa coming into the game battle hardened, first win in Wales in I'm going to say seven years. I think it was seven years. Like and to, the way they've done it to kind of go over the finish line. Obviously, you know, pitch invaders might have um, had something to do with that, but <laughs> another time. But um, they're facing a proper side which is tried and tested and ready to be unleashed i think um but if scotland do it you know we're actually we're sitting here like entertaining the possibility the firm possibility that it's that's exactly what it is that it is a possibility that they can win it's not just like maybe two or three years ago when you were like they'll be lucky just to kind of hold on for the first half so, no, they're a genuine proper side, and Gregor Townsend, low key, is one of the best coaches in the Northern Hemisphere, if not the world. The way he plays, and he's been evolving that team slowly every year. And Duhan again against Australia, like Duhan's a different player when he puts on a Scotland jersey because Gregor makes the team around Duhan, Finn, and Hogg. And- yeah, and it, it's it's going to be interesting because we could go back to the summer. You know, Warren Gatlin played. Tried to play South Africa's game against them. Less fleet flowing, running rugby, more um, tactical kicking, big hits, um, et cetera, et cetera, trying to beat South Africa their own game. But what you saw in the third test was, you know, complete, completely different, even though um, they didn't win. But the Lions played a lot better rugby. Who was 10? Finn Russell. So you'll begin, I think you'll see Scotland just go out and play the way they play and express themselves. And that's that's exciting. Even if they, you know what, even if Scotland lose by a try or two, if they go out and play their style and their game plan, it's it's still a step in the right direction. You know, they're not a finished product yet. They've still got a lot of time left. Um, you know, this time next year, if they're still on the upward trajectory, then it's a different story. It's like they need to beat South Africa to kind of cement themselves. 
um, as, a, as, a, as a world-beating side. But at the moment, you know, so Scotland fans out there, just enjoy the ride. Just enjoy yeah. it. And in terms of weight, uh, South Africa, they have funny story. Me and Harbour, I'm having, having some food on Saturday and I was keeping them up to date with the score. And he, Harvey just knew it was going to happen. I was like, Wales might win this. And Harvey just went, lad. Classic, and I went. Uh, so far, we've got a mall here five meters out, five minutes to go. And you went, right? And then two is there, lad. Mark scored, by the way. And then <laughs> it's just, it is just South Africa. We've we said it last week, South Africa don't hammer anyone. South Africa yeah. just grind out wins. They're like Saracens, Leinster, just grind out a win. And there's only so many games you can grind out until you get found out. And I think my prediction here. I think Gregor could do it big style and he could crack the code. And there'll be articles everywhere. Why did they not play the way they should? With Finn Russell against the Lions, all those articles will come up. And I think they're going to win. They're going to win big. And I'm going to say Scotland beats of Africa by 10 points. Not massive. I'm not, not, not being stupid here, but I think Scotland beats of Africa. I think Duyan gets a couple. Well, maybe two. Um, and South Africa are slightly rotated. Both Yankees star in. That's their sub halfbacks at the end of the day. Pollard's on the bench. Yeah. Still no. Although his uh, kicking percentage must be about 15% this year, is it not? So that might yeah. arguably is an upgrade this year, which is scary to think. Yankees, yeah. Yankees is a better kicker than him off, off the tee, like that's for sure. And yeah, it's just there's no Steph Detoy, no Sheslin Colby. It isn't the same Springbok team, and this is a Springbok it team just, at the end of the a big, big international window. It just encourages them more, though, doesn't it? When you talk about a rotated <sighs> pack, it just encourages them more to just use the pack. And, and personally, for me, I think Scotland are going to throw the curveball, as they always do. Sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. But it's the Scotland way. Um, I think this time it's not going to click. I'll always back against Scotland. Don't know why. Sorry, boys. Sorry, any Scottish fans out there. It's just, you know, we're all ingrained. Everyone hates England. Let me hate someone, please. So, yeah, um, I just think I just think they're going to lose by two tries. Um, I think they'll try the curveball, probably score a one to try. Everyone will get on the hype. And then South could just go, ah, yeah, which scrums, malls, a few decent line-out plays, and that'll be it. And they'll win. And then we're back, and we're back on the pod next week, previewing South Africa, England. That will be a cracker if yeah. South Africa can win and England can win, and that's two from two. That'll be, that'll, that'll be some, that'll be some previews. Did you give your score there? No, but I'm going to go somewhere to Utah. I think, I think it's an opportunity. It's going to be a, a classic Murrayfield evening. You know, we were saying, you know, Scotland do get a big win against the Tri-Nations team every, roughly every kind of autumn as international. There's always a big win from somewhere. You know, they even like pushed New Zealand close a couple of years ago, I remember. Um, but I think it's going to be a big Murrayfield night. Um, and you just got to, yeah, you got you to bag them, I think. It's not a big Murrayfield night, it's 1pm. Um, big Murrayfield afternoon. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, look, I'm probably going to go Scotland. I think somewhere in the Ireland score, 30 20. I think they're going to score a lot of points. It's about whether or not they can contain South Africa enough. South Africa are going to score. South Africa are going to mull you off the park. It's just how much they can contain that and prevent it from kind of just getting away from them. So it remains to be seen. But, Gregor, you'll listen to this later, Finn. You'll listen to this later, probably. 
with Mikey P. Um, you know, just play your game plan. Give the people what they want. Don't don't compromise now. Just back yourself. See what happens. Yeah. No. Once again, like all internationals are the the ruggers that's on show is is there's there's crackers everywhere. And next week to think we're gonna have France, New Zealand, and England, South Africa to preview. Um, it will be exciting, and we'll see over the course of the Summer Internationals if the Northern Hemisphere teams can get more wins against the Southern Hemisphere teams because that's always a bragging rights going into the World Cups and stuff. But cheers, boys, again. Uh, for this could be an historic pod where Ireland beat the All Blacks, fingers crossed, and this preview will go down in history. But we'll catch you next week. Cheers, boys, and remember if you made it this far. Give us a follow on Spotify at the Self Republic Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Rugby Self and Instagram, the Self Republic Podcast. And we'll catch you next week. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers.